Welcome to the NPFCC Messages Podcast. Thanks for taking the time to prioritize your spiritual growth by intentionally absorbing the Word of God. In this message series, Foundation, we're taking a close look at our core beliefs and how our foundational understanding of the nature of God guides the way we live and see the world. Our prayer is that we would build our foundation on the words and the way of Jesus. Well, man, it is great to see all of you this morning. Um, I pray that God is um, doing great things in your life. We're grateful that you have taken the time to be with us, um, whether you're here in the room or for those of you who are joining us online, we're grateful that you're here um, with us. Um, if you have your Bibles, you'll, you'll want to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 7. Um, we'll dive in there for a little bit in just a moment. Um, if you need a Bible, there's always some here. Um, and even if you're uh, at home online, there's a thing, if you're on our live stream, where you can click on the thing and it'll take you right to the Bible app. So, um, so make sure that you're uh, in God's Word. You know, I, I know a, a little bit about construction. Uh, growing up in the home of a carpenter. Uh, in fact, I, I've had the, the incredible blessing to uh, build a couple of the houses that our family lived in and the house that my mom uh, lives in now. My, my dad used that house to teach us how to build. So I, I know a little bit about how the whole building process works. And so a few years ago, I had this neighbor, a friend who who asked me, he said, hey, can you come over and take a look at some cracks in the drywall in my, in my house? And I said, sure. And so I got over there and he said, yeah, I, I got a guy over, a drywall guy, and he came over and he, um, he fixed the cracks. He patched them up really good. I said, but then three months later, um, there the cracks are again. And he said, so the guy, you know, it had only been three months, so the guy, you know, he kind of does some stuff, and he patches over it again, and, you know, paints over it, and it looks pretty good. But then six months later, the cracks reappeared. And so he called me up, and he said, hey, can you come over and take a look at this? Because, you know, my guy over here, he, he just can't seem to make the cracks go away. And so I went in, I took one really quick look at it, and I looked at my friend, and I said, well, my friend, the cracks aren't your problem. And he's looking at me like I'm on crack, right? He's like, what, what, what are you talking about? You, you can see the crack, it's right there, and it keeps showing up. We keep patching it, it keeps showing up. What's, what in the world's the deal with the crack? And I said, well, you don't have a crack problem. I said, what you have is you have a foundation problem. You see, your, your foundation on this one side, it keeps sinking a little bit. It's still settling in. And, and the, because your foundation isn't solid, because your foundation isn't secure, that everything is shifting. And when it shifts, you get cracks. And, and, and so you have this foundation problem. Until you stabilize that, you're just going to keep getting cracks. You'll keep patching that until, well, the cows come home or Jesus comes back, Right? And I, I know, you know, <clears throat> and you know something, folks, this is not an isolated, like, drywall problem. This problem permeates the world around us. How, how many of you know that our world's got a lot of cracks? Yeah? How many of you know that our culture is filled with cracks? Yeah. How many of you have stepped in a few of those cracks? Yeah? Yeah. Well, well we, we've got cracks in our culture. There's cracks in our government. Can I get an amen? There's cracks in our relationships. Some of you are reeling this morning in pain because of cracks in relationships. 
There's cracks in our marriages. There's cracks in our schools. There's cracks in our homes. There's even, I know it's hard to believe, but there's even cracks in the church. Yeah. yeah. Amen. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, and everybody out there, this, this is the state of things in our world today. Everybody out there likes to look at the cracks and point a finger and go, look, there's the problem, right? The government's the problem. Well, at least the other party is. The economy is the problem. The schools are the problem. The drugs are the problem. Everybody's pointing to the cracks and going, there's the problem, there's the problem, Folks, can I let you in on a little secret this morning? One that some of you don't want to hear? Those things aren't the problem. They may look like the problem. They may look bad. They may keep showing up, but they're only the symptom of an underlying foundation problem in in our culture, in our world, and unfortunately, in many of our lives. And the question that we need to be asking is, is how do we fix or how do we reinforce our foundation? And, and so over the next several weeks, we're going to kind of take a deep dive into some of the foundational truths of God's word so that we can build an unshakable foundation. Because it's easy sometimes to give a nod to truth until something shakes it. Until something shakes your life and then you start looking for other answers. And so what we want to do is dive in deep and realize that there is a God who gives us truth. And we want to build an unshakable foundation for our faith. And so to better understand this, we're going to take a look into um, what is definitely, um, uh, I think, the greatest sermon that has ever been preached Uh, given by the greatest preacher who's ever preached. It's actually the closing illustration that Jesus uses in the Sermon on the Mount. And and there's four little verses, but they're packed with foundational truth. So join me in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. And uh, I just want, let's read that together, and then we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. It starts off, it says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and they beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house And it fell with a great crash. Now, if you take a look, there's this story about these two guys in two houses. One fared well, one didn't fare so well. And so we have these two guys, and they have a few things in common. Um, A couple of things they had in common is they both built a house, right? Everybody, we're, we're all trying to build something in our lives, right? We're all trying to build the life. We're all trying to build the house, so to speak. And so these guys both built houses. The second thing is, if you, if you listen carefully, if you look carefully in the text, it says, everyone who hears these words of mine, and then the second part in verse 26 says, but everyone who hears these words of mine. So both people hear the words, right? Both people hear 
Jesus' words. But thirdly, they both get hit by a storm. How many of you have been hit by a storm in your life before? Yeah. You, you never know what that storm might, might be. How, how many of you in the, in the room have children? Then you've been hit by a storm. Right? Every once in a while, just get, you know. So we're with you, okay, parents. And, and we love our kids to death, but man, you, you, you get rocked by a storm. And if your kids haven't given you a storm yet, just wait. They will right? But you'll love them still. That's okay, right? Um, <clears throat> some of you have been hit by storms at work. Some of you guys have been hit by storms with the loss of somebody in your life. Some of you guys have been hit by a financial storm. There's all kinds of storms. Everybody's going to get hit by them. Some way, somehow, some shape, you're going to get hit by a storm. In fact, Jesus does not hide the fact that we will have storms in our lives, I mean, even in, in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says this. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. How many of you know that that's true? Right? Yeah, it, we, we know that it's true. You will have trouble in this life. The question is, not if, but when. And the bigger question is, are you ready? Are you ready for the trouble that will come your way for the storms of life? And... and, and now, you've got these two people, they're both building the house, they both hear, heard the same message, and they both get hit by storms. So what's the big difference? What's the difference between these guys and the outcome that happens? I mean, they both heard the same message, so why different outcomes? Well, there's two things. Number one is what they built on. Okay, what they built on. Uh, you're building something in your life, or at least you're attempting to right now. The question is, what are you building on? What what is the thing that you think is the solid thing that's holding your life up? I I mean, is is it your hard work? Again, not bad, but is that what you're just depending on? Because then what happens if you lose a job or you have an injury or you have a sickness or whatever. Is, it, is, it that? is, that, what you, is that what's holding you up? Is it, is it finances? Is it like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I, I've got, you know, I've got this, this savings, I've got this thing, I got the, we all know what happens to 401ks, right? Right, they're up and down and up and down and all over the place. I mean, if it's financial, man, you, you will hit a storm there too. I mean, what is the thing that you're really settling in on? What's the thing that you think is propping you up? Because I guarantee you, if it is not the firm foundation of the Almighty God, if it's not that rock, then there will be problems that you aren't ready for. So it's what, what you build on. And then the other part that is really important here that ha- makes all the difference on whether or not the house stands is how they applied the message to their lives. They both heard the same message, right? They both heard Jesus' words. One applied it to their daily lives. One applied it to where they built one made it their foundation. The other, the other says, it, it says, it, the, the um, person who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is a foolish man. The Bible teaches that a fool is not, just, is not someone who doesn't hear the word, right? That, that's not the fool. The fool is someone who hears the word but does not apply it to the daily choices that they make every day. 
The, the foolish person isn't someone who, who doesn't have an idea. The, the foolish person is the person who actually has the word, the truth at his disposal, but chooses to do otherwise. How many of you have acted the fool before? Right? Yeah, me, I, I, on a weekly basis. Uh, uh, maybe even a daily basis, I'll just be honest, right? That, that I'm thinking about God's word, I'm thinking about like what God is, wants for my life. I think about how good, I wake up in the morning, right? In the morning and I have this little thing. Um, I, some of you heard that uh, Pastor Jack Hayford passed away recently and he was just such an amazing guy. He had an impact on my life and he doesn't even know it. He, he was speaking one time and I adopted a thing that he said, before your feet hit the ground in the morning, when your eyes open, you just tell yourself, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And then you thank God for what he's given to you. And that's the way to start. And, and so ever since I heard that, it's like my eyes open up. I go, hey, this is the day the Lord has made, right? And, and it's amazing how just that little thing can shape the, the tenor of your day, right? That it's like, wow, you realize what God has done for us. Um, the, but, but what happens oftentimes is, is I go through the day, and even if I start the day off right, I'm like, okay, I know what I should do, but then my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions, my opinions, and my calendar get in the way. And next thing you know, I'm, I know what I should do, but I'm doing something completely different. And that, the Bible says, is foolish. Now, the Bible also tells us in James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. There are a lot of people, I know not any in this room because you guys are amazing. But there's a lot of people that come to church every Sunday and they hear the word. And they kind of check the box off. Okay, went to church, got all that done. I, you know, I heard something good. I kind of feel motivated or even convicted. Y'all kind of crack me up sometimes in the fact that the more convicted you feel when you leave church, it's like, oh man, pastor, man, I just feel so convicted this morning, right? Now, number one, that's the Holy Spirit's job, not mine. The other part is it cracks me up that everybody loves walking out of the church feeling bad, right? Or convicted about like what they're not doing right. But the reality is, is that, you know what? We can't just listen to what God's word says, and think that we're done. For it to be foundational, we actually have to put it into practice. We actually, there's something about it that the, the, the fruitfulness, the goodness, the, the truth of God's word doesn't even kick into gear until you do it. Just hearing it's not enough. I mean, you, you go to sports games now and everybody's holding up John 3, 16 signs, right? I mean, I kind of like it. I'm like, oh, look, there's another one, right? So, but unless you know what it says and apply it to your life, it has no meaning. It, it has to be applied to our lives. So wisdom, how many of you want wisdom, right? Yeah, the Bible says we can ask and God will give us wisdom. But here's, here, I want you to listen to this. Um, I, I, I give this one, um, was uh, encouraged by Pastor Tony Evans but uh, on this one, but I, I just love it. He says, Wisdom goes beyond hearing to doing. It goes beyond inspiration to transformation. It goes beyond, um, it goes beyond information to application. 
Do you hear that? It goes beyond hearing to doing. It goes beyond inspiration to transformation. And it goes beyond information to application. If we're not applying God's word, then it's useless to us. Now, if you know anything about construction, you know this. The foundation is the most important part of the house. It is by far the the most crucial part of, of making sure that your house stands firm. It's the first part of construction, right? I mean, if you've ever been around a housing track, you can look out there and there's all these foundations that get poured. And when do they get poured? After the walls are built? No, the foundation gets poured first. You, you, you have to put down the foundation first. If you, if you try to build a house and then put a foundation under it, that, that gets kind of crazy, right? That just doesn't work. It's not the way it's supposed to happen, Okay. A foundation is the most important part, and it is the first part of construction. You have to do it first. And, and, and it will determine, the foundation will determine the stability, the strength, the trueness. Uh, we were doing a room addition on our house. And, and I was out there um, measuring up the, the uh, foundation, right, for the forms of the foundation, and, um, and if, if you know much about it, you, you kind of cross-measure it and you make sure that it's square. Well, I got this thing down to where it was like within a quarter inch or so of square, and I'm like, good. But my dad is like, no, that's not good enough. I was like, oh, man, dad. And I'm, so I'm pushing and pulling, and we're driving more stakes in the ground, and we're getting this thing. Like, you know, I get it to like an eighth of an inch, and he's all, no, we can do better. And I was like, whoa, man, you're, like, this is crazy. And he says, you're, and, and this is what he said. He says, you're going to thank me when it's time to hang drywall. And I said, well, what do you mean? Well, the reality is this, is if you just get a quarter inch off, right, out of square, and your thing's 20 foot long, by the time you get to the end, the drywall, sheets of drywall that don't change size for you, they're not going to fall in the middle of the studs, right? And so that becomes a whole lot more work. It becomes a problem. And if you don't do it right, you end up with cracks. And so my dad knows that how important it is. And so that is crucial, that getting that thing true is so important to building a solid foundation. If you don't get the foundation right, the whole thing will just be off. It won't matter what color you paint it. It won't matter how nicely you furnish it. If the foundation is wrong, you will have ongoing problems. And folks, here's the thing. Um, We're living in a day and age where people don't lay a foundation of God's word first, okay? It's, it's not the place that people start. We, we start somewhere else, most of us. Most of us start in places like our feelings, our emotions, and our opinions, and things like that, and, and that becomes a problem. You know, pe- people want to start wherever they want to start, and then they just want to throw a uh, throw a little piece of uh, Jesus in there, like a little piece of furniture, you know, to make it look good. Uh, maybe they just want to put a little Bible on a coffee table somewhere and say, okay, we got some Jesus in there. And, and that's what they do. Maybe, maybe it's a little church attendance on your calendar, right? And, and they say, okay, that, that, that will do. 
And, and, and so, like I said, we're living in this day and age where people, people just don't start from a foundation of God's truth. But, but folks, the foundation cannot be built after you've already constructed your house. If that was the case, you would have to completely take the house down and redo the foundation. Because the foundation, again, is where you start. Today, most people, like I said, they start uh, how they, with how they feel about any given issue or what they think. Today, most people go first to ideas about you know, what, what their peers say, what, what they were told when they were a kid, what your parents told you. And now your parents might be wonderful people. Your parents might have, you know, done their very best job. Your parents might have even been church attenders and everything else. But you got to remember, your parents, as wonderful as they are, they're not God. And so even that has to be checked against God's truth. Most people go, you know, they go to their, their political affiliation, their peer groups, all of those things to find out their opinions of how they think about certain things. Uh, and maybe they, they will look at God and, and, and how God's word supports their feelings. You know, people will like make up their opinion and then they start going to God's word and going like, okay, well, I'm going to find a place where God's word fits my thoughts, my feelings. They're looking for a way to make God's truth fit the narrative that they are already trying to write. But the Bible has a word for that kind of backwards theology. It's called fool, right? At least that's what, that's what that passage says. It says, you know what? If, if you know the truth, if, if you hear God's word, but then you do otherwise, if you hear God's word and you don't put it into practice, then it's foolish. Because that's exactly, it's exactly what building on sand looks like. To say, okay, okay, I hear the word, but I'm just gonna build over here because it's easier. I'm going to build over here because I feel like it. I'm going to build over here because I like the view better, right? That's the problem. And folks, you can come in here and listen to a message. You could even wake up every morning and read your Bible and still live like a fool the rest of the week. Some of you know what, what, what I mean because it's caught up with you before. Because you fail to apply God's truth in your daily life to your work, your education, to your politics, to your relationships, to your marriage, to your parenting, even in your finances. You know, we, we've been talking about this year, we want it to be a year of growth. And one of the areas that we do want you to grow in, because we know that this is easy, it's like we can know God's truth about relationships and marriage and things like that. But then when it comes to applying it, some of us just get it wrong. And so... We said, hey, we, we, we want our marriages in the church to grow. And, um, and again, we're not trying to leave particular people out, but we're just, we know that, that this is something that needs growth, and so that's why we planned the date night thing. And trust me, if you're wondering about it, it will be fun. And it will be easier than you think. Uh, to by the end, And if you do it, if you take it seriously, and you just go on 10 dates, how many of you like to go on a date? Yeah. I was surprised. I thought the women's hand would go up faster. But all these men's hands went up. Man, that's pretty amazing. So, so if you're a guy in the room and you're sitting next to your wife this morning, sometime between now and time we leave here, you just lean over to your wife and you say, hey, that date thing, it sounds like a great idea. Would you like to do that? I'm here to help you. Hey, guys. 
And it'll be super fun, um, and, and it'll help you grow. Because we don't always get it right. We need help. That's the biggest problem is we don't all realize we need help. We must allow God's word to become the foundation of our decision-making process, the foundation of how we think, how we speak, how we act. Only then will we be able to withstand the torrents of doubt, the torrents of cultural shifting and confusion, the torrents of what the world has to throw at us each and every day. And folks, I got to tell you, the, the, the pandemic thing that we all went through, that, that was a storm. And it tested the foundations of people's faith. It, it, I, there are pieces of that that just break my heart. I mean, I have pastors, pastor friends who walked away from being pastors because of what we went through in that whole thing. I mean, there's so many people that I know that during the middle of all of that, man, their, their faith got rattled and it didn't hold up. And, and I have to tell you, there's lots of reasons for that. Lots of reasons for that. But as a pastor, it just says to me, that, that was the impetus for this whole um, sermon series. Because I'm watching people who I thought had a pretty solid foundation, but then they just walked away. And, and I thought, man, the, the foundation just was not firm enough. And, and so I want to make sure that we have a firm foundation. You know, many people have been in this process. It's kind of become in vogue lately of going through what's called deconstruction, deconstructing their faith, right? It's kind of, it, it's, it's a fancy term for pulling it apart, right? Pulling your faith apart and looking at it and asking yourself this question like, can I really depend on this? Is this really true? And, and the problem is, is that they're looking at it and then in their opinion, if they don't like it, oftentimes they put it away. And they keep the parts that they like and they throw away the parts that they don't and some people just throw it away altogether. And there's been a lot of folks in, in our culture today, I mean, I, I think I've shared this out with you, uh, 33% of people that used to attend church regularly are no longer attending. Why? Because they pulled it apart and they looked at it. Now, again, there's lots of reasons for that. Sometimes because early on in their life, somebody handed them a cracked foundation, right? They, they handed them a faith that, that had some cracks already in it, okay? A, a, a faith that had some issues with it. Or maybe they were people who saw the way other Christians were behaving and said, hey, I don't want to be associated with that anymore. Like that, that doesn't work, so I'm just going to get, and, and instead of trying to just fix it, they just kind of decide to throw the whole thing away. And, 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 you know, so on one hand, like taking a good hard look at it and saying, yeah, is this, is this real? I, I mean, I have no problems at all diving in deep, asking hard questions, even kind of taking a look and saying, like, where are the cracks? Right? So that we can shore things up. Right? Because, because I truly believe that God and his word will stand the test as you look at it. And, and, and I think that it's okay to even have some doubts and, and, and to look at those and to dive in and say, why is it like this and everything else? It's okay. If you're here this morning and you're like, man, I got some questions, I got some doubts, wonderful. Let's work on those. Because that's, again, how you make it stronger. And I think what we really need isn't just like some deconstruction. We need some reconstruction of, of faith. 
And with, with God's word and him at the very center, we can build a solid foundation that will stand the test. Not, not, just, not just a bunch of people here listening to God's word, but a bunch of people doing what it says to build a foundation that can't be shaken. So are you ready to dive in for the next few weeks? Okay. So I'm going to dive in uh, real quickly and cover the first thing. I, I, I'm going to cover God in just like 10, 15 minutes, right? Took whole seminary classes on this, but you know, we're, we're, going, to, we're going to do it in just a couple minutes here. So, so here's the thing. The foundation, again, it comes first. So let's start at the very beginning, because I hear it's a really good place to start, right? So Genesis chapter one, verse one, very beginning of the Bible. It starts out with these four words. In the beginning, God, right? Then it goes on. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, there's some who doubt God's existence, right? There's gonna be those people out there. I think it's interesting that one of the most famous atheist philosophers, a guy named Bertrand Russell, he even said this. This is a quote from him, okay? One of the most famous atheists in our, in our world. He says, unless you assume there is a God, the, questions of, the question of life's purpose is meaningless, Without God, life is utterly meaningless. I'm thinking, wow, you're, you're not doing a good job supporting your case there. But it is true. And it's depressing if you can look at life without God. But, but if you're here this morning, I'm going to make this assumption that you are at the very least kind of searching for God. And there's something inside of each of us that wants to know God. And those who believe, we want to know God in a deeper way. In fact, most people believe something about God. Um, I shared this years ago. It's kind of funny. I looked, I, I still have this crazy app on my phone. It's a little game called Pocket God. It's an old game. I don't know if you've ever seen it before. Pocket God's kind of a fun thing. Um, you, you're, you're in, the, in the game, you're God, and you get to create your own little place, right? Like the very first level, you, you have an island, and you can just drop people out of the sky, right? And, and then the fun, thing, the fun thing to do is there's birds, and you make this bird fly along and poop on the people. Because if you're God, you can do that, right? And, and, and then you can grab little people, and if you don't like what they're doing, if they're misbehaving on the island, you just grab them and you throw them into the ocean. And when you throw them in the ocean, this little shark comes up. And sometimes you can dangle them over the ocean and the shark comes up and it's kind of fun, right? But after, after, so I went back, I went back and played this uh, the other day. It's kind of, kind of hilarious. Um, but here, here's what I discovered from playing Pocket God is um, you don't want me to be God, okay? And I'm pretty sure I don't want you to be God. Pretty positive about that. In fact, none of us make a very good God. However, one of the foundational problems is this, is that while God created us in his image, most of us are working overtime trying to create him in our image. And, and that's a foundational mistake because he's God, he is the creator. We're gonna talk about that in just a second. We don't get to make him, if you can create him, if you can tell him how to do it, if you can judge him, it puts you in the place of God. And that's a place that none of us belong. And that's something we definitely have to understand. So what are some of the foundational truths about God and who he is? 
And, and how does that impact how we should respond to him? Because here's the thing. I don't want you this morning to just hear a couple really quick things about who God is, some of his characteristics, and go, gee, that's nice. I'm glad I know that. You have to ask the question, then, okay, if I know that truth, how do I apply that to my life? How does that apply? Because if I don't, if I just hear the word, right, and then I don't put it into practice, I'm like the fool. So how do I hear this and then what do I do with it? That's the question that you got to keep asking as we dive in, all right? So number one, um, who is God? The first thing is God is eternal. We we learned that from Genesis 1-1, right? In the beginning, God. He was already there. Because it says after God, he created the heavens and the earth, right? So even before all that stuff, God was already there. That's just, a, that's just a general thing. Psalms 90 verse 1 and 2 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Before anything, there was God. He is before all things. He is eternal, right? He stands outside of time. So all of those times when you're thinking God should hurry up, right? God doesn't, God doesn't have like a calendar and a clock and all those things and go, oh, this is the day I'm supposed to answer that prayer for that guy. You know, he, he, he's not on your time schedule, all right? So you got to, again, we got to get that out of our heads. 1 Timothy 1.17 says, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. Can I get an amen? Yeah, he, he's there forever and ever and ever. He, he, he didn't, doesn't have a birthday, so we celebrate him every day, okay? And, and he goes on forever. He's eternal. Now, this is the part that if you really stop and think about, it starts to warp your mind, right? You've thought about that before. Like, what is eternity like? And our human brains start to kind of warp out. And they're like, I, I just can't get it. I know, because it's by faith that we believe it. But, but there's something in me and there's something in you that longs to know that there's more, that there is an eternity. In fact, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. It says, he, that being God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He, he placed this idea of eternity inside of us, inside of our hearts. And you know why? So that we would seek it. So we would seek him. And so we have this internal thing inside of us that goes, there's got to be more. Everybody always asks the question, what's after this? What, there's got to be more than this life. Right? God put that longing, that, that idea inside of us so that we would seek him. Then, then, I mean, there's something deep down inside of us that is aching and longing to seek God and to be with him. Sometimes it causes us to ask the questions like, what comes next? And because God is eternal, this is the great thing, because God is eternal, he has the answers to what is next. And because he is eternal, he can offer you eternal life. Without him, Life is meaningless. But because of him, there is hope for eternal life. That's something to hold on to. Now, how do you apply that? That's the question that, that we all have to grapple with. Knowing that there's an eternal life, knowing that there's hope in eternity, man, that makes all the difference. If you've ever 
lost a loved one, you, you know that empty feeling. You know that pain of loss. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're someone who has a firm foundation, then you have hope in the middle of all of that loss. You, you have comfort and peace in the middle of the despair. You, you have that because of the foundation of Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that, you know what that feels like to live in despair. But God doesn't call us to live in despair. He calls us to live in hope. He tells us that we don't mourn like people that have no hope because we have a hope in eternity because our God is an eternal God. Now, the second thing is this. God is our creator. God is creator. Folks, the creation debate is one of the most hotly debated things out there, right? And then people get all messed up in it. Um, but I mean, there, there's even the staunchest evolutionists, however, they can't tell you where the first piece of matter came from, right? That, that, eventually, somewhere, somehow, you're going to have to take a leap of faith. And to be honest, uh, to really believe that everything came from an absolute random chance requires, I think, a greater leap of faith than to believe in a creator. Now, Hebrews 11.3 says this, by faith, okay, and this is really important, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen is not made out of what was visible. So basically, it's by faith that we believe this, right? For those of you, I know, I know there's some engineers in the room, and you got to have all these answers, and it's all got to add up, right? And the columns all got to fit, and it's all got to work. Okay, somewhere, somehow, you're going to have to jump off, okay, of the spreadsheets and everything else by faith, realizing that God did it. It says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. And God commanded it. He said, this is it, and he made it. There, there's even a debate, even inside the church. Like I said, there's cracks sometimes in the church, right? The, there's even a debate in the church between people like, you know, on the whole idea, was it six literal days or not? And so here's the thing, right? Here, here's the thing. Folks, uh, it, it, there's not going to be a test when you get to heaven, right? There's not going to be a test to see what you think about that, right? Now, now here's the thing. Um, if you get to heaven and there does happen to be a test, and it says, how many days did it take God to build, to, to create the earth? For heaven's sakes, put six. Okay? And don't, and, and, and don't try to write an essay explaining your six. Right? Don't try to, don't try to get in something with God about it because you'll just look like a fool. Right? And I know there's this debate about, okay, was the six days, was it like a literal 24-hour period? Was it just a period of time, all that stuff? That stuff, folks, don't get caught up in that. There's way more important things that we need to be doing than, than, than figuring that. Now, now be perfect. And, and here's what I tell people every single time. You have to believe God could have done it in six literal 24-hour periods. He could have done it faster than that if he wanted, Okay? But you just have to believe that God did it. He created it and created it out of nothing. Maybe you've heard this illustration before. I love it. It says, there was a scientist who came up and he told God, we no longer need you. We've advanced beyond, uh, beyond uh, your point and, and we can create anything on our own um, by our own ingenuity. And then God said, okay, well, let's put that to the test. 
The scientist says, sure, what did you have in mind? So God tells him, let's each make a man the way I made Adam in the beginning. I'll go first. So then God created man from the dirt. And the scientist leaned down. He started to pick up a handful of dirt so he could replicate what God did. And God said, wait a minute, get your own dirt. Right? By faith somewhere, you just have to believe that God did it. And he did it from nothing. Okay, now, I think it's wonderful to dive in and to understand, because here's what I believe. I believe that faith and science are totally compatible. I usually believe that the scientists are just catching up. They're just understanding what God has done. And, And I think it's okay to dive in and understand and try to look at that, because I believe every time you find a truth in there, you're discovering something about the way that God did things. And as long as you put God first, that's the thing about making God foundational. He's first. And when there's questions, he defines. That's the part that's so important. How did God create it? He spoke it. Okay, the verse says, by his command, he spoke it. He spoke everything. Dirt, there was dirt. Tree, there was tree. Animals, there was animals. All those other things until it came to people. And then he didn't speak us into being. It says he formed us. In Genesis 2, 7, it says God formed out of the dust of the ground, man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Folks, everything else God spoke into being, but he, he, he ordered it, he made it. But when it came to us, Psalms 139 says he knit us together. He got intimately involved in creating you and me. And he didn't make a mistake. And and God loves us, and and he created, and he breathed his breath, his spirit, which we'll dive into in another week, into us. And if God is the creator, the intelligent designer of the universe, and and he's the one who created you and me, then he he gets to define everything. The problem in our world today is we're trying to redefine what God has already defined. When he created mankind, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created him. There's, there's a lot of debate today in our world over the whole gender question, right? God answered it way back then. I truly believe that. We let our feelings, emotions, and culture get in the way a lot. I, I, I think there are always going to be people who wrestle with things. But here's the thing. If God is the foundation, if he's the author of the story of life, he didn't create us to just redefine the story. Okay? He, he didn't even create us so that we would redefine our own existence. He created us, and he created you on purpose for a purpose, and that purpose is to have a relationship with him. When you choose to define yourself other than with him, then you're outside of relationship with him. That's just the way that that works. So the fact is, is that God is creator. And it means if God is creator, it means we've been created and it means we have purpose and there is a plan for your life. That is a wonderful thing. And that gives us hope in the middle of a world that's constantly shaking and asking all kinds of crazy questions and the times when our own thoughts, opinions, and feelings get in the way, we have to have, we have something we can fall back on and say, well, this is how God has created things. This is how God has defined things. 
So God is creator. Then I'm going to really rock it through the next week. Next one is God is big word immutable. Okay? Immutable. It means the Lord, it means he's unchanging. Okay? In, in Malachi 3, 6, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. It's just that simple. Here's a great thing about that. If God does not change, then he can be trusted, right? You, you can always count on this is, this is God. He, he doesn't just, and he doesn't change his mind. When, when you have questions or whatever else, he doesn't worry, right? He doesn't change, and he doesn't change. He, he just, he stays the same. He's not making things up as he goes along. So he's immutable, he doesn't change. The next one is he's omnipotent, which means God is all powerful. There is nothing that God can't do. We, we, in the Christmas story, we read all the time, we're in Luke 1, 37, he says, nothing is impossible with God. For you and I, that means that there's no situation that's too difficult that he can't handle. There's nothing that this life can throw at you that God is not able to help you with or help you overcome. So, I, so why are so many Christians living powerless lives? It's because their foundation doesn't understand the omnipotence of God, that God is all-powerful. And when you get to the end of your strength, this is the good news. His power is made perfect when you're weak. We just have to learn how to apply his power to our lives. The next one is he's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. That one kind of blows your mind as well. Um, Psalms 139.7 says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Um, uh, Colossians 2.10 says, he is the head over every power and authority. Okay, he, he's, he's all powerful, he's everywhere, he's, he's over everything else. Because he's omnipresent, you are never alone. I mean, think about that for a minute. You are never alone. God is always with you. His power is available to you to live life to this fullest. And that's what he wants from you. God doesn't want to take things away from you. God doesn't want to wreck your life. God wants you to have life to the fullest. And he's with you. Next, he is omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. In Hebrews 4.13, it says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And that means you and me. He sees everything. The thoughts that you're having right now, he knew them before you had them. He, he knows everything. And here's the best news of all about that. God knows everything that you're done, you've done. God knows everything that you've thought. God knows every word that you've said. God knows every mistake that you've ever made. God knows every problem that you've ever caused. And yet, he loves you. He loves you deeply, despite all of that. That's a wonderful thing about God knowing everything. Is that despite it all, he just loves you. And that's the last one we're going to talk about today, that God is love. God does not just act lovingly. He is love. And only with God in your life can you have the capacity to truly love. There's a lot of talk out there all the time about why, you know, we're at each other's throats, you know, politically, and why there's so much division, whether it be, you know, racially, economically, politically, all these things. And, they, they, you know, we talk about the answer is love. Here's the problem, folks. It's not the world's definition of love. 
Only God can give us the right definition of love. And only God can put that in your heart. Why? Because he is love. He, he doesn't just, he doesn't like go around and sprinkle some love on, on people every once in a while. I mean, that's not how you fall in love with people, right? There's no angels, there's no cupids, there's no God going like, I'll just shake a little love out on you and then you'll fall in love. That's not how it works. God in you, love in you is what teaches you how to love other people. Even people that you might not like, you can love. Because God is the one who gives us love. And what's amazing about this is the closer you get to God, the greater he increases your capacity to love other people. This is where we get it all wrong. Okay, husbands and wives in the room, if you want to love your spouse more, the answer isn't like, Flowers and candy, although they help, okay? The answer is more of God, right? Because the more God you have in your life, the greater the capacity you have to love. Is why, like the, first, the one thing I told all of our daughters was this. You, you, find, you find a guy who loves the Lord. Because only if he loves the Lord will he have the capacity to completely love you the way that you were created to be loved. Anything else is on shaky ground. That's what you need. See, God loves you and he desires a personal relationship with you. The question is, how will you respond to his love? And, and will you build the foundation of your life on him you see, because, because God is eternal, he can offer you eternal life. Because he is the creator, it means you have purpose and meaning, and God has a plan for you. Because he never changes, he can be trusted. Because God is all-powerful, he is able to take care of whatever you are going through. And because he is everywhere, he is always with you. And because he is all-knowing, you don't have to try to hide. He already knows and he loves you anyways. And because he is love, he wants a personal relationship with you. So the last question is this, what are you going to do about it? If that's who he is, and he loves you so much, what will you do about that? Will you, will you let him be the foundation in your life? Will you let him be God? Will you let him carry the problems and issues and pain and all of those things? Will you let him help you make sense of the questions. He's not afraid. He can handle all of your questions and all of your doubt. Will you let him in and will you let him be God? Will you allow him to be the unshakable foundation for your life? I love it. It's at the bottom of your notes, a passage that I've been putting to memory this week. I'm gonna read it just so I make sure I don't mess it up, but... First Samuel 2, 2 says, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock but our God. Man, will you let him be the foundation of your life? You know, he loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to give his life on our behalf. And that's why every week we celebrate communion together. 
Um, if you have your communion, you'll, you'll want to get that out and get that ready, start peeling back the little thing. <laughs> but um, I, I love the fact that he gave us this symbol so that we could constantly remember the depth of his love for us. I mean, all those other things in life that are trying to help you define things, are those things all willing to die for you? I mean, God's son did. And not only that, he was the only one who could pay the price. He didn't deserve it. He was perfect. But yet he stood in our place so that we could have eternal life. If you're here this morning and you don't know him, man, my prayer is that you would open up your heart and that you would know him. If you do this morning, will you let him truly be the foundation? Because this is what he did for us to prove his love. So let's take the bread that represents Jesus' broken body and the cup that represents Jesus' shed blood. Let's take that together and remember that he takes away our sins. And as we pray this morning, I just encourage you to spend some time. Spend some time just enjoying his presence because he's here. Spend some time just telling him, say, Lord, I need you to be the foundation. And if you don't know him this morning, you want to talk more about that, you can come and talk to, to me after the service or to one of our leaders. I'm going to ask any of our elders in, in, in the room just come up and, and sit up front and they're, they're here to talk to with you, to pray with you. Um, if you need prayer this morning, if, if uh, man, if, if the world's been shaken under your feet, you know, this week and you just need prayer, um, then uh, we've got people in the, in the back corners back there that will be there to pray for you. Um, but the, the thing that we have to nail down today is this. Will you let him be the foundation? Him and him alone. Let him know this morning. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, Father, for your strength, your power, your love, your presence, your wisdom. Thank you, Father, that, that Lord, with you, that, Father, we don't have to fear. Now, certainly, Father, we know there will be scary stuff, but we don't have to fear because you are with us. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done on our behalf. Thank you, Father, that you are a gracious, loving God. He doesn't just dangle us over the edge or drop us in the depths of the sea or just forget about us completely, but you love us back into relationship with you. Father, thank you. You are our true, firm foundation, and we love you. Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the NPFCC Messages podcast. If you'd like to support the work of our church, head to npfcc.org give to make a one-time or reoccurring gift. For more information about us, you can always check out our website at npfcc.org. Again, that's npfcc.org.